Hi, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of the World of Heritage. My name is Nilufar, and here with me is Stephanie. Hi, guys. My name is Stephanie, like Nilufar said, and I'm the co-moderator for today's episode. We are students of the World Heritage Studies Program at the BTU University, and this podcast is our study project for the querying the narrative course which is organized by our lecturer Ms. Caitlin Williams. In each uh, episode we have a new guest from the BTU heritage community and we are excited to, uh, to introduce our first guest Rachel Bonici. Rachel is a third semester student from Malta. She is in Berlin right now however she normally lives in Cottbus. She studied tourism studies for her undergrad and had the opportunity to do a semester abroad in Bremen, Germany. She already worked in several places related to heritage, for example, the Malta Arts Council. Furthermore, she also had the opportunity to work on a cruise ship for five years, which made it possible for her to see the world. We are really excited to hear more about her impressive work experience. Hi, Rachel, and thank you so much for agreeing and participating in our podcast. We are so happy to have you here with us. Thank you, Steph and Nilafar, for the kind invitation. It is my pleasure to be here. Thanks. Uh, so we would head on with our first question. So, um, Rachel, working at the cruise ship, uh, you kind of traveled the whole world, right? More or less. I would say, like... I spent at least, I think, three years um, doing the East Coast of America. So that includes Canada, Boston, New York, Bermuda, um, Latin America, Caribbean. And also I did transatlantic and spent some time in the Mediterranean on super yachts. Well, like it, uh, it sounds like you were involved in many cultural events and sounds like a dream to many people to do some sort of job like yours. But why you left your job? It was for a bigger dream? Or what was the main reason that you left your job? You moved to Germany to study World Heritage Studies? To be honest, I was very happy on board. It's another life. I can tell you it's very challenging, but very rewarding at the same time. So I was working in the destinations section. And my job was to find new destinations for the cruise ships in port in licensing with port agents and so on. Um, but the thing is, like, I was being an intermediary between the destination and the guest. And then I saw lots of gaps happening. I saw, like, lots of heritage in danger that needed attention, lots of people that needed to be credited for their work and this really broke my heart and I said I had to do something it was a bit challenging from the ship because it's a totally different life we have we, we could not communicate so much on the land in the sense that we have one satellite to use the internet so then I decided when I was on land I decided okay Rachel you have to do something about world heritage and then I found this course <laughs> And it's so interesting because um, my plan not, was not to be in Germany or any other place in the world. My mo main motivation was the course. I saw this course designed by UNESCO. I said, I need to do something and I'm really happy to be here. This sounds amazing, like literally. So you started working at the tourism and cultural sector from a, from a young age, right? 
Do you remember the first time when you fell in love with the heritage side, maybe during your travels or your time on a cruise ship? Well, um, it's in a different context. You know, when you are traveling, I'm the kind of, even though I worked in the luxury sector for lots of years, almost all my life, it's not my cup of tea, I would say. So when I travel, I couch surf, I visit friends, I stay with locals, and this is when you get in touch with the destination. Also, I don't travel much with friends so as to be biased, you know. I'm from Malta. To be honest, my friends can tell you, like, I always travel alone. The maximum like I go with someone is my brother, just because to show him stuff, you know. Um, but the first time I fell in love, it I think it was, yes, uh, I was working in Mexico uh, on the ship and we had this excursion and the port agent took us with a helicopter um, to, to see the Mayan ruins. And I was so impressed with the scale. I was like, oh my God, this is so Asian, so good, so beautiful, but it's not accessible. The management is not done so good. So I was like, you know what, heritage is my thing. And also I'm really impressed by the interpretation. There is so many ways to present the heritage sites. It has to be good, it has to be good. And this is what we need to get it right in this industry, I think. Great, thank you so much, Rachel. Uh, thanks for listening. We come back in a few seconds. Welcome back to the second part where we will talk a little bit more about moving to Cottbus with our guest, Rachel from Malta. Rachel, please tell us more about your life in Cottbus. What did you like the most about it? and? what activities you got involved before the pandemic? Okay, interesting question. So um, for people who know me, they know that I love to dance so much. And whenever I move anywhere, like I'm really scared that I have no place to dance salsa, bachata, kizomba, like Latin American dance. Um, what I do is more like social dancing, like what they do in the culture rather than competitive dancing. I'm so over that part big time. So this was my biggest fear when moving to Cottbus, aside from my studies. It was more like I need a place to dance. And then I remember, um, because I live in a Vega, um, shared accommodation with other students, and my flatmate was a dance teacher. And I'm like, oh my God. And on that day that I arrived to Cottbus, he took me like to Quasimono in this, in this place where they have like studio. And he introduced me to all the dance opportunities to the dance community. And that was amazing. And then I remember um, I went to the first salsa class in, in by the Hochschulsport, the university sport. And um, the salsa teacher was like, I need a partner. Would you like to teach together? I'm like, I taught salsa before. Let's do it. And then it was like so good because I communicated like with all the internationals. It's amazing. It's amazing. I love uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I was dancing for a long time, 15 hours per week. But that's nothing. That's fine. <laughs> Now I'm really feeling it because... It's so hard to dance alone, really. Yeah. Okay, coming back to the downsides of living in Germany, can you tell us the most challenging thing that happened to you when living in Cottbus and in Germany in general? Yeah, I mean, like 
there is the good and the bad side of being in Germany. But to be fair, I didn't find it that hard for the reason being that I did my Erasmus study mobility abroad in Bremen. But I was, I was expecting it to be like Bremen, you know? I, did, I found the East German bureaucracy harder than in Bremen, to be honest. Um, so that's one was the most annoying thing. But I mean, my flatmates were German and they really helped me with it because everything is in German, to be honest. I mean, my German level is okay, but it's, it's, it's something. There is a language barrier when it comes to bureaucracy, to be fair, but I totally understand Germany because that's their language. And I was telling my fellow classmates, they were finding it hard too, but I told them, listen, you are here. This is a challenge. Imagine like everyone spoke in English. We wouldn't have this opportunity. There would be more people. It would become somehow competitive, you know? So we have to look at this, like this is a challenge that we have to take. And we have help. We have help from our fellow classmates, from anyone. So it's annoying, but at the same time, if you find the right people, it's not gonna be annoying anymore. Yeah, very good point that you mentioned, well said. And uh, what about um, Kutbuz? What was, if, if somebody asks you about Kutbuz, what comes in your mind? What pops in your head at the first second? That's very easy. I would say the Spreewald, the forest, because the thing is like, I come from a small island where there's not so many trees. And for me, forests are something amazing and out of this world. So the fact I'm not a big city girl, I have to say, I really miss Cottbus for this, like going out in the countryside in the fresh air. I have my bicycle, I go out. Like the first thing Cottbus is like Spreewald and yeah, forest living, I love it. I visited Malta in August and it was so hot. We were literally there. I think it was the hottest week when we visited and it had 38 degrees. So I can, I can feel like you love, uh, love the, the forest because I couldn't see any, like not a lot of trees there. So yeah, I can, I can understand what you're saying. Our last question for this part is what would you recommend first semester students or prospect students before moving to Germany? Okay, um, so when you settle in your course and you do like the whole university procedure, even before you get accepted, you would tell me what the hell are you saying, Rachel? The thing is, research is super important. Even if you're not accepted in the course yet, um, research, like go into Facebook or on social media, check the Instagram accounts, check the Facebook groups relating to university as well your course, because there is like the most important information is there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's super important to research. And then you tell me, but why do what should I do this before I actually get accepted? Because the acceptance is going to be like this, like for me, it was a week before. So imagine I had to quit my job. I had to, yeah, I had to pay extra actually to to because of my leave. They couldn't let me out of the ship. But it's fine, you know, it's it's totally worth it. But research because it's gonna happen so fast. You need to find a place, you need to, I don't know, like pack your stuff, sort your life where you are, and have some savings. That's also something. You need to plan your savings. It's not for me as a 
coming from Malta, it's Germany is kind of the same as Malta, so to speak. But you need to to plan this stuff, research and do your money savings from before. So it'll be more relaxed and less stressed. So we will have a short break now before starting with our third part, where we will talk a little bit more about the program. Yeah, stay tuned. Thanks again for listening. We will commence with the third part of our podcast now. So, Rachel, what do you like most about the World Heritage Study Program at the BTU? I would say the international nature of the project, uh, of the of the program, excuse me. Yes, um, because the thing is, when you hear what is happening in other countries from, as we say in English, from the horse's mouth, uh, it is when you know what is happening in that country. So we are coming from all different backgrounds. This is the course, word heritage, where is a keyword there. So even in our interpretation, or when we are managing a site and doing word heritage, we would, kind of use our course mates to see how other people in the world would react to everything we do. And this is what I find the most interesting and most astonishing, to be honest. The, I learn more than my course mates sometimes than the actual professors. And the professors admit this too, so it's amazing. Um, about the lectures, uh, can you tell us what was the best lecture you participated in so far? Yeah, I mean, now with the current pandemic shifting everything to online, it's very unfair to justify that. Um, but I would say like the topic that struck me the most is the concept of cultural landscapes. I had no idea that you could nominate the site as a whole. And I think this is the future of world heritage. It's not about tangible and buildings anymore. It's what happens around it. And also, um, I would say we had the opportunity to go to Bavaria and to see the different perspectives in, uh, in the Bavarian landscape before nominating. We had opposing and in favor. And then when everything came together, it was really nice to evaluate what people think about this landscape. And I highly recommend it. Uh, about your thesis, uh, have you already decided uh, which direction you want to go? What is your topic? So the thing is, as I said before, like all my life has been related to the sea. I've been trying to run away from it, I have to admit, because I became so biased, like on ocean, ocean all the time at sea. Um, but I cannot fight it anymore. And I came to peace with myself. I, I really like archaeology, but I fell in love. I'm also a free diver. So in, in summer, I was in Malta and I was diving a lot. And I fell in love with maritime archaeology and underwater archaeology. So um, I'm, go, I'm thinking to focus my thesis on that. I, I, I love the subject so much. I think I do have the expertise. And I seen this gap. In, around the world and also in Malta, that there are people who are super experts to go down there, but as relates to heritage, there is something missing. So I'm hoping that my thesis will be the link in the future between um, heritage management and diving underwater. 
do you have any plan for after the graduation? Do you want to go back on a cruise ship or are your plans to go back to Malta or what is your general plan after graduation? That is a hard question, especially with the current pandemic situations. It's a huge question mark. But um, so the thing is, I can go back to Malta anytime. Uh, I'm in very good contact like with the with the people and heritage that I had in contact when I was with the cruise ships there and also around the world. So I know I have that support anywhere I go. I can go back to ships that I know. I was actually working for a cruise line who has a partnership with UNESCO and where they do port destination talks. So that is also a plan that I can stick to. Um, but I'd love to know more about the Middle East, for example, because I have no experience on that. Um, so I plan to do this before graduation and maybe get involved into that. But as I told you, like my main focus is underwater archeology. span So this is what I plan to do after graduation, like get involved into maritime heritage and to see like the difference there and how I can make it better. Okay. Uh, as a professional expert in tourism, you, Rachel, how do you predict the future of the tourism after pandemic, especially in cruise industry? Well, um, I've had this conversation with a lot of people on land, so to speak. Um, the thing is, these words like isolation, quarantine, these are normal terms that are used on the ships before the pandemic. So, um, because there is this thing called norovirus on board, think of it, the cruise is like a floating island. So for us, we do know how to manage pandemics on the cruise line. And seeing the measures that they put on the cruise lines is what every heritage site should do. Because, okay, this pandemic was out of control, we get that. but. It revolutionized the whole travel industry. When you compare cruise with airline or anything on land, it's totally different. So I would see the future as something to be more personal, like when you are on board, like um, to see like the likes and dislikes of the person to better manage visitor management. Say for example, if you have a family with kids, you're not gonna put them in an auditorium where you have to listen to the whole history it doesn't make sense for the kids. So put them aside, give them something personalized for them. So this is how it should work. The pandemic served for the travel industry to focus on these niche tourism and to manage them better. So this is how I see like the future of tourism after this pandemic. Thank you, Rachel. And uh, we would end up with the last question. What World Heritage Site do you like the most? And uh, what is the site that is so dear to you that you would like also to share it with other people? Okay, um, can I choose two? <laughs> yes. I would say, of course, I would say Valletta, which is the capital city of Malta, is the first touch that I had with World Heritage, even the fact that it's also can be considered as a cultural landscape because it's also a city. And when I was working in Valletta with the Monte Arts Council, the fact that you're going into this World Heritage site, you feel it, even though you don't know 
about it, the criteria and the technicalities of the nomination, you can see that the city is special. The, the winding streets, the fact that it's a grid, it's quiet, full of cultural activities, it's super nice. But I would say like the last trip I had in March before the pandemic, I fell in love. I was in Portugal um, and my favorite site ever internationally is Bom Jesus de Monte. It is a Portuguese sanctuary, a Roman Catholic, um, outside the city of Braga in northern Portugal. It's, it's impressive. I don't know how the hell, how they built it because it's on top of a hill. And the way that they use the scale and the water resources around, it's a heaven and it's so spiritual. The magic of the place is just out of this world. And really, uh, it was so unexpected when I visited this because I was in Portugal. As I told you, I always travel alone and sometimes I put something on Facebook for people to know that I'm there. And I've been contacted by a friend. She's like, Rachel, visit me in Braga. It's like, um, like half an hour away from where you are. It's like, okay, sure, I'm coming. And then she's like, we have to celebrate because today is the day that I fought over cancer. Like she's totally healed from cancer. And I'm like, oh my God. And I felt so connected to the place and the spirituality of the place. She took me there. She's like, this is my favorite place in, in my city. And I'm like, I cannot be more happy here. I totally recommend it. It's beautiful. This is so cute. This is such a nice story. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Rachel, for taking the time to talk to us. We really enjoyed having you and we wish you all the best for the future. Also, Thank you so much. thanks to you guys for listening and we hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Instagram. Um, our Instagram name is the World of Heritage Podcast and we would be happy to hear your comments about our interviews. We hope you tune in for the next session where we will talk to Anna. She's also a World Heritage Study student and a World Heritage activist. Thanks again for listening. If you're interested in sharing your story, you can also send us a message. 